House of Mystery presents Inside Writing, the radio show where authors discuss their writing process in all genres. Well, welcome back into the House of Mystery, and I'm Al Warren. Today joining me on the co-host duty, we've got Mr. Eric Shapiro, the doctor. How are you doing, Al? I'm doing okay. Been been real busy, of course, as usual, but it's uh, how it goes. It's that time of the year, Christmas Just rush. Writing like crazy, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's okay. It's actually, it's good. Good. Keeps oh, that's me, good. Keeps my mind focused somewhat. Yeah, yeah, it's um, kind of like damned if you do, damned if you don't. If, if When I'm writing, I feel nice and agitated and busy, and when I'm not writing, I'm staring into the abyss. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, I can't do that for very long. I have to go back to writing, so it's a, it's a little bit more than I want it to uh, at this time. It's sort of uh, everything kind of, you know, edit sort of stuff. But uh, uh, you're, cr- you're crunching a bit. Yeah, but it's all good. It's all good. Oh, good. Excellent. Excellent. So um, let's see here. Oh, I have to ask, did you dress up for Halloween? <laughs> I did. You know, I was, um, I was less creative than I've been in recent years. I got away this, this year with just a wolf mask and, like, nothing else, just black clothing. So that was it. I was very lazy. Whereas in recent years, my friends get very excited. I dress up like a woman, and everybody's delighted, and I love doing it, and it's a blast. But you know what started happening is I realized as years have gone on, I can't just be a woman generically because it becomes politically a bit problematic. Like, it's just like, you know, if you're just a woman, it's like, well, what statement are you making? So last year, I was a witch. Uh, but it's hard. This year, I, I was going to a couple parties, and I don't want to be like a witch with a dress and a hat and a broom and have to drive around like that. So I just, uh, I just was a wolf man. Well, <laughs> well, there you go. That's, yeah. uh, that's, that's exciting. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah, it was exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. My, my kids who are 10 and seven, both for the first time in their lives, uh, were scary. Like they were both monsters, which, which I flipped out. I'm so excited. You know, they didn't want anything like that before. They were more like cutesy costumes in the past, like Super Mario Brothers. Yeah. This time, they were like bloody, you know, demented psychopaths. So it was wow. everybody was very happy. Yeah. yeah, make sure you lock the door when you're in the shower. Right. <laughs> and how about yourself? Do you you don't strike me as the type to dress up, but did you? No. Or do they even do it in Canada? What's going on? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just turn on TV and watch the U.S. Oh, no, okay, got it. we uh, no, actually they do, but I I they don't. Do. I haven't dressed up since 1984 when I, oh wow uh, they made me up like Boy George. Oh, there you go. That's perfectly timely, and yeah, that would actually incidentally be perfectly timely right at this moment, also. Yeah, no, it worked. Right. It, it it worked. I won best costume at two different places. Oh wow, so that's good. You went out while you were big. You went out on top. Yeah, I then, then like, I, I don't have to dress up again. I won a prize. Yeah, that's it. I quit after that. Yeah, that's the way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> Walk away from the top. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now today we've got an interesting guest. We got a, She's new to the show, hasn't been on before, and we're going to talk about her writing and uh, a book that just came out, I guess, was back in February. It's called Hide in Place, and it's a novel. We're going to talk about that and what's coming out after, which is next February. So, um, Amelia Neymar, thanks for being here. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Well, uh, Amelia, so did you dress up at um, Halloween? Or? So I, uh, I dressed up in my mind, <laughs> and, uh, and I had a very, very good costume. But, uh, but um, 
Yeah, but in in real life, I just kind of sat and handed out candy okay. until until I got attacked by a bunch of four year olds. Who took <laughs> well, I candy. feel I feel better. I thought I I didn't exert myself, but if you you were just in your mind, then I, I feel like I worked really hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but Eric, actually, I have a question for you. Sure. Um, were you, were you a lady wolf man? You know, that's <laughs> open to interpretation. You know, what's interesting is. What really becomes exciting for all parties involved is in the in the lady years is the tights, you know, they, like that can really uh, lift the vibration of the whole situation. So I did go for the tights at one event. I did, yes. I technically, I guess, I was a lady wolf, or I, I was at least an effeminate wolf. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Good question. Good question. <laughs> well, but but more importantly, impressingly, what were you in your mind? Oh, what what was I in my mind? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so I was, I was menopause. Oh, oh that's a good one. Yeah. I love, uh, you know, we went to a party, my friend Florencia Mandeville, she was actually on this show cause she's a filmmaker. We went to her party and she was fate, uh, which was really cool. Was we were talking about how much I love people that dress up as concepts. So that's, yeah. Yeah. Well, well, mine, mine was actually very good in my mind because yeah. I, I, I made it out of paper mache Oh wow! and it was, it was this, this, woman's head that was all like painted red and shiny and she had claws <laughs> at my shoulders <laughs> and she was like sitting on top of me like a gargoyle and I walked around with her but then I thought you know I much like Eric I would have trouble sitting in the car with that oh so. that's pretty involved yeah yeah, yeah. That's, yeah that's involved on every level I mean you have to go to the paper mache yeah. store in your mind and then yeah yeah, yeah and, and I did all that in my mind wow yeah. that's good that's good that's the way to do it uh, I, I could see Eric driving in a car with a a witch outfit on. Right, right. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, I mean, just, yeah, anything's possible. It's just that hat. That hat goes up so high. You instantly, yeah. I have an OCD attack. And, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You, know, you could end up in trouble. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you know, I try and stay out of trouble. Yeah, it depends. Yeah, yeah. right. It depends yeah. what neighborhood <laughs> you're in, right? You right. Know, right? Oh. So, um, so, so, Amelia. So, let's talk about your writing. How did you get involved in in writing? Um, right. So that's that's a great question because I didn't start out as a writer. Um, I started out, you know, when I was like eight years old. I decided that I was going to be an artist, and I went to art school, and I wasn't artist and then I became a digital artist and then I started coding so at a, at a certain point in my life I kind of realized that I I kind of veered away from the where I started out which was wanting to be a creative person because although design is creative and coding actually can be very creative it still is not quite the same so um, I just I thought let me try another impractical you know future and I'll try to be an a writer. I'm going to, you know, I don't know anything about writing other than being a reader. And I've always been just kind of a, a crazy, voracious reader. So um, I started taking classes. And when I sit, and I, I had to take them online because at the time I had a, a small kid and um, a husband who worked all the time and I worked full time. So like going to actual physical school was not really going to happen. Um, and when I say I didn't know anything about writing, I, I didn't know how to tag dialogue. <laughs> so, but, but in my mind, much like creating great costumes, I knew that I could create a great novel. So 
after after some time, I was able to actually produce something that someone liked, and I got published. And um, so that was that felt great. <laughs> it took a little while, but I got there. Um, so that's that's that story. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you have uh, now. If I'm right, you have a pretty interesting history. Um, uh, now, you were you were born in a country that no longer exists. Like, what what do you mean by that? Oh yes, yeah. so um, I was born in the Soviet Union, which does not exist anymore. Um, and uh, I actually, when I when we immigrated, it was still the Soviet Union, and it was actually still the Soviet Union for a long time after I was already living in in America. Um, but one of the things that that actually gave me was a, a certain idea of what it means to be Russian, um, which is in everything I write. And what I really, and I only just realized this maybe like a week ago, and I, I realized that what it means to me to be Russian is that you have it's it actually the culture lends itself very well to being a criminal. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you before you go on, I am Russian. I've never been there, but all four of my grandparents were Russian. So oh. this is fascinating. And I actually was just reading in the past couple of weeks about what it means to be Russian. So please keep going. I'm, I'm so curious okay. about the criminal thing. Well, what's even more interesting is your last name is Shapiro. Yes. So, so is my, my great, Grand, my grandmother's maiden name was Shapiro. Wow. Okay, so that means we're like distant cousins because there's only probably. there's only so many Shapiros. <laughs> I mean, it's a small pool, so we're probably yeah. like twelve cousins or something. That's awesome. Probably, yeah. maybe closer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. But but so so I end I end up putting all these like Russian criminals into my my novels because um it it so the while it was the Soviet Union, there was this mentality that, you know, you, the, you know, the authority is very strong. You know, everything is, is the government. You know, you don't work for any kind of private enterprise. Everybody works for the government. If you're a doctor, you work for the government. If you're a publisher, a, you know, a writer, whatever you are, you work for the government. So there's this attitude that, you know, the government is everything. Authority is everything. And at the same time, there's this understanding that everything is corrupt. Mm -hmm. So basically, 100% of authority is also corrupt. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of on your own. So on the one hand, you depend on the government and authority. But on the other hand, you know, you really have to depend on yourself. So there's a very much of a, like a do-it-yourself kind of attitude, rely on yourself. And that, something about that, and also knowing that, things are going to be things can go really badly really quickly and that's just kind of part of the mentality and that just lends itself really well to somehow saying well you know to being being a criminal because you know it's just like everything about it just kind of lends itself to that so in my first novel I, I, um, I have the Russian mob in there and the sequel, I just couldn't get away from the Russians. They, they're in there as well, although they're like a little less organized. <laughs> you know, <but laughs> it's, like it's, hard, it's hard to get away from the Russians. Once you're in, that's it. Yeah, it's true. I can't get away. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so how old were you when you left the Soviet Union? So I was, I was, I was a child. I was eight, 
Oh, but you still have some memories of it. I have memories, and I've been back, and I still have Uh family there. Um, And at the time, you could, I'm not even sure if you can now. I think you can now, but at the time, you didn't, you basically became a refugee. So, and you didn't know where you were going to end up. So, most, a lot of people were in this kind of stateless place where, they, in, and it was in Italy. So a lot of people ended up living in Italy for a while until some country would give them basically a, a, a visa to come oh, in and start yeah. living there. So we could have ended up anywhere. Um, and we ended up in uh, New York, which was like, the, I think, the best thing that ever happened to me. Oh, wow. Yes. Yeah, New York is the best. Oh, wait, wait. So in your, in your story, in your novel, in the first one, are the Russians yeah. the bad guys, quote-unquote, or are you identifying with the criminal mentality? Tell us about the story. So the story is actually about um, my protagonist is, is an American. She's an American uh, woman, and she is uh, an undercover detective who works for the NYPD. Mm-hmm. And one of the cases that she works is a racketeering case against the Russian mob. And she's under, she works undercover, so she she has to come up with a persona that, like, she can't, obviously she can't pretend to be Russian, so she pretends to be, you know, just a, a drug dealer who wants to, you know, whatever it is that she decides she she comes up comes up with her own kind of hook, um, but she has to work within that culture and she has to kind of figure out what how to get them to trust her. Uh, and that's part that's part of the story. Um, and there's the story kind of happens in two timelines. There's like the before timeline and the after timeline. And in the after timeline, which is happens in real time, um, her teenage son goes missing. So one of the things that you know she kind of has to consider is that did her past catch up with her somehow? Or, or is her son just like, <laughs> you know, a really difficult teenager? Mm. Uh, so like you know? the nature-nurture sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot of stuff that goes on there. Um, but I had the, I had a tremendous of fun writing about the Russian mob because I don't think it's possible to write about the Russian mob and not have fun. Wow, well, tell us more about that. Why is it so much fun? They're crazy because, like I said, they they will do just they will do anything. Just even doing the research was a lot of fun. Um, so one of kind of one of my favorite stories about um, like a Russian mobster. There was this one. Uh, he's he's still alive, um, but his nickname was Tarzan, and he much much like me and my family, he moved to um, to the United States in the early eighties. And uh, he settled in Brighton Beach. And very early on, he started kind of being an enforcer for, um, I think, the Columbia. No, maybe the, the Italian gangs. He started being an enforcer for somebody, for somebody. And then he kind of realized that he could sort of do it himself. And one thing led to another. And at some point after the collapse of the Soviet Union, he was able to almost broker a deal to buy a, a military submarine <laughs> from from the ex-Russian Navy and sell it to the Colombians 
so that they could transfer cocaine <laughs> under water, which is like everything about this is just so awesome. Because not only is it that here is this gangster who, who like left, you know, the Soviet Union became very American and then realized that he could be a gangster. But then you have like the military people in what became Russia who were also for all intents and purposes are gangsters in their own right because they were like, well, here's these submarines. They're not doing anybody any good. <laughs> we can sell them. For, I mean, I just love that concept. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting. The whole thing about criminality and the appeal of it, I've always felt that there's a real um, overlap between uh, being a criminal and being creative, or being a criminal and being an artist. Like, because uh, it is like kind of like you're getting away with something. Um, and I always feel like when I'm talking to Al here, you know, he could say anything at any time. So there's danger. It's like you know, this guy, this guy's a criminal in his own right. Like he, you know, he's over the line. So. It's, uh, I think there is those personality types kind of are, are, are next door to each other. Well, there you go. I, I think I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm criminally insane. Right. <laughs> That's, yeah, you took the words out of my mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I enjoy it. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know any different because that's who I am. I, I, yeah. I wonder now if you, um, do, so when you talk about these characters, these the, the Russian mob characters and stuff, where, where do you draw that from for you personally? So, <laughs> like the characters um, themselves. Yeah, the characters themselves. I mean, I feel like I knew so many people who were, like you said, like next door to being criminal. Not quite, but there's a there's a very specific like machismo laden attitude that you know russian men have that it was just so so easy it was at my fingertips and i could just make make these guys that way you know um i could just hear them and that part of it was very interesting to write because you know, they're actually, they're not the heroes of the story. The hero of the story is my female cop. And so she has to figure out how to be a woman within the police department. But then she also has to figure out how to be a woman within this environment where she's going on the cover, where she has to act a certain way. And she can't, she can't have, a, you know, a chip on her shoulder. She can't be... You know, the way she is in the police department where she's like, I can be anything you can be. I can do anything you can do. She can't be like that mm. when she's undercover. She has to kind of fit with what these guys' expectations wow. are. You know, so that to me was actually very interesting. That is very interesting. So she has to sort of um, uh, acculturate to the, and she has to, to be yeah. uh, more submissive. She has to be a little more submissive. She has to be sexier than she oh, would be. Okay. <laughs> than she would be. In That's her really movie. good. That, that sounds like it would be a good movie. Yeah, well, yeah. from your lips to God's ears, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. Um, so, are there scenes where it's like Reservoir Dogs, like she's undercover and the, her heart's beating fast, and she's worried they're going to catch on? Is it that sort of storytelling? Some of it. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah, because she has to. 
because um, actually one of the reasons I chose to write this, the, to me, this kind of like the crime or one of the crimes is that um, I'm married to somebody who was an undercover NYPD detective. Oh, wow. And he, and he worked racketeering cases. And so he gave me so many stories. And at, at some point that, at some point we always used to talk, oh, you know, he's going to write, you know, down his memoirs, but he, he's not a writer. So then I thought, okay, I'll write his memoirs, but that just like never happened. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to take his <laughs> and I'm going to make him a lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and gonna, that seems to be the theme of, of this right, right. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and, um, and so a lot of kind of, a lot of what happens to my character and a lot of the reason why I even knew what needs to happen is because of what I knew my husband had to go through. Wow, that's got to be very and, stressful. Does he still carry the stress from having done that, or it was more something he was able to, to deal with? Well, for him, it was actually very, very fun. He really oh, enjoyed it. Oh and, I, and I have to say, I've met, I've met other other partners that he's worked with and a couple of women that he worked with who were also undercover and every one of them when they talk about going undercover it's like their faces light up wow so it was like acting it was like play acting exactly and um so so that's exactly so you know how we talked about being criminal you kind of have to be creative well be to be an undercover you absolutely have to be creative because you have to create a persona, you have to dress differently that you norm than you normally dress. You have to talk differently from how you normally talk, um, and it can be a lot of fun. Wow! How do you think you would be if you had to be un- undercover? Do you think you would be more anxious, or can you relate to the fun component of these uh, of your husband and uh, and his colleagues? Oh, you know what? I never even thought of that. I think I would. I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I could. I would have a heart attack. Like I would be in an ambulance. Like Al, would you be able to do that, Al? With a whole persona, and if somebody looked at me wrong, I would go under. No, I could do it, but I, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm far too old, you know. Oh, but, you're at this point, yeah. But do you think you temperamentally you were you, you could have done it? Oh, easy, because I'm in the in that little I have that little spectrum fog, and I can okay. easily. Uh, if people don't know if I'm serious or not. And right, you keep your blood pressure low and all that stuff. Yeah, and that's something I've always had without trying. So um, I've learned to play with it and use it as a um, strength in a sense. Yeah, it's like the, uh, your dead man strength. Yeah. Sort of like, yeah, just yeah. administer, like, yeah, just say things nonchalantly. Yeah, it's one of the few things I've got. <laughs> <laughs> so you got to make it. Look at the sound. It's paying off for you. It's big. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, it, it takes a long time, but you know, I'm kind of old, and um, but you know, it's um, yeah, so it's good. But I was thinking this would be a perfect character for you for next Halloween. The uh, which which one of <laughs> the <laughs> Russian woman mobster? Right, right. <laughs> Think about it. Well, you know what? The, the funny thing is, to dress, wait for Eric for Eric yeah. to dress up as a Russian woman. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, yeah. I mean, because he could, he could do it. You know, he just has to get the accent down a little bit. Yeah, it's true. Because I am, I look very Russian. My, my eyebrows are thick. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it under consideration. I can see yeah. you know, smoke the cigarettes. Yeah. Yeah, and, um, and and a woman. You see, because you were saying a woman, so this is a yeah. Woman, I don't want to be a generic woman, right? right. Yeah. You have a no. Standard. You have to wear. You have to wear leather. Right, leather, leather gloves. Your, right, leather. You have to have um, red hair. Right. Oh, this is good. Okay, I, I think you guys talked me into it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Amelia has to be my consultant though, because I have to get all the details. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, you walk around with, like, a bottle of vodka. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> in book two, so book two is forthcoming? Is it yeah, so book two is coming next February, and it's called Behind the Lie. Okay. And it continues, you know, it continues okay. with my um, with my lady who, you know. And she's undercover again. So um, she's not undercover in the, in the next one. Okay. But... Um, so when you in the first one, the first thing you find out about her is that she she quits the NYPD in the aftermath of that racketeering case. She quits and she moves up into the uh, the Hudson Valley of New York State. Um, and after you know, and she kind of like manages this kind of half life, kind of trying to come back to herself after the stuff that happened to her. And that's when her son disappears. So that kind of starts off the first novel. And by the time you get to the second novel, um, she's a little more comfortable in where she lives, in the neighborhood where she lives. And it's a very friendly neighborhood. And um, it starts with this humongous block party. Uh, and, uh, and then things go downhill from there. <laughs> Are you feeling <laughs> are you feeling the potential for a series like you could go go beyond book two like this character oh, yeah um, I, I, sure I have a, an extremely extremely strong idea for the third in the series but um, again I'm, that's that's something that is not is not has not been um, you know I don't I have to I have to convince convince <laughs> other people that that it's a good idea too. So that's that's still in the works. Right, you have to convince other people. I'm sure it's tied up in the commerciality of the second one. Is that accurate? Like, how um, I'm I'm assuming. So I'm still very new to the business of all of this, and I and I don't really. Okay. <laughs> Basically, any almost everything that happens to me is a big big surprise. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> so that's good. That's good because it's like it's there's an innocence to that. It's like oh, this is such an adventure. So you're not you're not cynical. It's all yeah, and, and it, that, what you just said just reminded me. Um, when I was still on submission for the first book, I met um, this guy who I think he was like a super editor, and I'm sorry I can't remember exactly. Uh, you know what he? You know I'm not going to say his name, but he he said, "Oh, you're on submission for your first book." I said, "Yes." He's like, "That's good. Nothing bad has happened to you yet." <laughs> Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Enjoy it, enjoy it. I mean, not to say, <laughs> not to say necessarily anything bad will. I mean, it's still because uh, I've been in it for uh, over twenty years, and it still gets very, very exciting. I mean, uh, there's still a lot of positivity, but then I, I do think there are those experiences that lead a little more to cynicism or you know keeping your guard up. So it's good. 
it's good you're in that place where it's um it still has that freshness. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what do you think your relationship is with your main character? How do you feel about her? I, I mean, I she I feel like she's a real person. I feel like she like lives next door to me or something. Like I I I have kind of, I don't know like I almost have conversations with her. She she's incredibly real. She's not me. Um because she's actually like very different from how I am in in many many ways um but but she's she's a mother, so I am as well, so we have that in common um and she's a mother of a teenage boy, which I am as well um and she lives up in the Hudson Valley, which I do so so I think that's and she's female, so we have those things in common but um it I, I don't know. I just, I, I think she's like this weird person and I like her. She's, she doesn't behave in, in the expected ways. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I, it, it's funny because sometimes I'll read, I'll read a review that somebody wrote and, and every once in a while somebody will say, I, I think that these are very quirky characters. I'm like, oh, yeah, but that's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it, how you were describing how she is uh, undercover and so forth and just, you know, changing her behavior and the dissonance, the uh, contrast between how she is and how she has to be. That's a, definitely a level of sophistication that's not always found in genre writing, but it makes genre right. writing really good. Um, and are you writing her in the first person? No, but I write very close third. Oh, okay. Close third, yeah. Yeah. So it's sort of like you're you're breaking like you're almost inside her head. Yes, I find I find that when I do when I do write in first person, it's I don't know maybe I'm just not good enough <laughs> because I end up I end up be, like being too much about me. Whereas when it's when it's close third person, it's it's very very easy for me to not for it not to be me. Oh, you can keep some distance. That's interesting. Yeah, because I'm often in the first person and it usually is the characters like a version of me like you could be my brother and my cousin so i absolutely understand that like uh mm -hmm. and that's very much like the hunter s thompson thing like even if he had a different name it was always him you know it was a persona so right. that's good it, it's good to sort of take a step back it gives you the perspective to make her her own person a little bit yeah and the the second one is her 13 year old son so i write and how old is you said you have a son who's around the same age uh, so books take a lot longer than human beings. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so when I first started writing it, they were about the same age. And now, of course, my son is a bit older <laughs> than, than the character. Yeah. Oh, got it. Okay, good. But he's still a teenager. He's still a teenager. Yeah. And, the guy, and as of book two, the fictional son is 13. As of book two, he gets to be 15. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Is he, um, sorry if I'm not tracking. So in book one, he's there as a 13-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and, but, it's not, but it's in his point of view more in book two. So in book one, in book one, is the point of view is, is him and, and her. So oh, got it, okay, yeah. okay. And by the time I get to the second book, I kind of turn away a little bit and, and deal with, like, I, I introduce a couple more characters. Oh, I see. Okay. So, so you're doing in book one, you're doing cross cutting between their two worlds. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, did you write each section 
on its own chronologically, or you actually wrote and cross-cut while you were writing? Um, I wrote them chronologically, and I wrote them trying to think of which which point of view would make that, you know, that part of the story the most, you know, effective. So, right, okay. Yeah. So you, you wrote each one individually, and then you shuffled the deck. No, I kind of I kind of wrote them to to an outline. So I kind of okay. like started at the beginning and went to the end. But I think I might have kind of rearranged things at some point. Oh, <laughs> I understand. Because okay. I definitely, when I first finished the first first draft, it was so light. It was only fifty thousand words, and I was like, okay, I can't. I gotta. <laughs> so that's when like more of the shuffling came in and filling out, and then it became a novel. Oh, I understand. So what was the ultimate word count? I think seventy eight thousand. So it's wow. not it's not a it's not a big it's a quick read for sure. Wow, that's for no for me that's long. I've written mostly novellas and I look at people like you and Al and you're like uh you have the endurance, you're like marathon runners. Like uh even fifty thousand for me is a push, but seventy thousand sounds very, very full. Um it was it was at first, it was kind of scary because I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure, like how, you know, what was going to happen. But it actually, really, what it was was putting in a lot of those, putting in a lot of those little details and stories, and you know, the buying buying drugs and all that. So, how do you get into your character? Do you actually put on the leather and the red wig and? <laughs> Go out and buy drugs and do stuff like you just are you like is there something you have to do to put yourself in that frame of mind? Well, um, I have to, I'm, you know, those are really good ideas. <laughs> maybe, I should, maybe I should do that. No, I end up I end up doing a lot of like mental throat clearing before I, before I actually I start writing. But once once that's out of the way, I, I get into the zone and I get into their minds. I can and I can write as them. Um, the, is, I, the, yeah. is the throat clearing on a daily basis, like every time when you sit down to write, you sort of have to go in that zone? Or is it more per project, like there's a period of mental preparation and you're just ready to live inside it for a few weeks? Well, it's unfortunately... For me, it's both. <laughs> oh, okay. So, okay. Oh, yeah. So every day when I sit down to write, that that throat clearing can like be brutal. But eventually, like I do get into this phone. Yeah, that is the hardest part. Sitting down every day. It's like I don't think people understand. Like even if you've written for years daily, like I think any given day, it's like you're like you you really are with that blank page. You're facing something kind of daunting. And I I wish there was. You know, lately I found that I have to, I have to be very strict with myself. And what I started doing is I started taking my my phone and putting a timer on it so I can visually see it. And I just turn on the timer and I tell myself that while that timer is going, I'm not allowed to do anything other than write the scene. Mm. So I can't, I can't check mail. I can't answer the phone. I can't, mm. I can't, you know listen to music i can't do anything it has to be just that and and for as long as that timer goes i do it and and that actually has been really helpful which is how, how long do you set the how long do you set the timer for what's the window 
25 minutes. Oh, and then, and then you just write like mad. And then I write like mad, and then I give my, and then I set it again for 10 minutes. And those 10 minutes, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> and, oh, 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 so meaning external to writing, not within yeah, the writing. You just exactly. party around the house. Exactly. And then, uh, you, you, what's interesting is something I do for suspense. I haven't done it in a while. I don't know if I, uh, I'm getting too old for it. I would uh, drink a cup of water. Then I would inevitably have to, you know, I drink like a tall glass of water. I'd inevitably have to empty my bladder, but I wouldn't allow myself to until the scene was done, which was like, if I have to write something very, very suspenseful, that really works. So it's almost the same concept. It's like you are pinned. What I'm describing is more masochistic, but you are pinned to this spot until you get this done. That's it. Oh, my God. That is I'm afraid to try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I don't recommend it. As a matter of fact, as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, I really am a lunatic. But yeah, it's, uh, that's what you reminded me of. I mean, the timer yeah. is a more mature, a more mature approach. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Except that yeah. the reason why it exists is because of a, of a great level of immaturity. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, you have to take one with the other. But wait, so what do you do during the ten minutes when you get? Your, so that's like your reward is the ten yes. minutes. What do you do? You dance around? I what, anything else? check my mail, go on Facebook, oh, nice. like, you know, whatever, get up, get a cookie, whatever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then, and then at 25 minutes begin again. Oh, very good. She really has her husband tied up and hanging right. from a, from a rope. Right, right. <laughs> and she better right, finish right. that. Or in the, yeah. And the 10 minutes she gives him water, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You know what? Right, right. It's less, it's less about the writing process. That's interesting. That's where that's where your mind went. Right, right. <laughs> well, Russian, you know, I was yeah. thinking, you know, gangsters, you know. Yeah, yeah. You're really where, you know, you could see her. She's sitting there, and she's got her red leather on and her wig and whatever right, else right. is going on. And the husband's up there tied, you know, from his feet. You know, right, right. <laughs> and she's typing away, and and as he's screaming, that's perfect. You know, to take it's great atmosphere. It's a great atmosphere, yeah. It's like mood music. Yeah. <laughs> there you um, go. Wow. Okay. Well, I'm gonna have to ask him. Uh, I'm gonna have to tell him that that's what I'm. If he really supports me as a as a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he has to yeah, agree to that. As an ex-cop, you know, he does, you know, he probably has, some, he'll have some ideas for escaping, so he should be open to it. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm reading, I'm right now, I'm on Goodreads, reading the reviews. So it seems like the thrust of book one is her son is missing, which I don't think you mentioned, and she's searching for him. So is that the centrifugal plot device of the first book? That is, that is of the first book. Um, and uh, it. Like I said, so when he goes missing, she then has to kind of try to, you know, because he is, he's troubled and he's gone missing before and you find okay. that out, you find that out on the very first page, basically. So and, he wasn't necessarily kidnapped. Yeah, they don't, like, it, they don't know. They don't know. And, um, and she has to, she has to take it upon herself because ultimately she knows more about him and about what might have happened than the local detectives do. And she's also not really at liberty to expose the things that she knows. So, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that leaves her very much alone and on her own that she has to kind of 
handle. Um, God, is she single in the book or is she married? So she's she's divorced when the, okay. she's divorced, and then part part of the the before timeline, uh, she's she was married in the before timeline. Um, and again, that's something that's pretty much revealed in the first chapter. Okay. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm reading one review right now that says, Hide in Place is a tightly coiled spring, ready to pop into the reader's consciousness and grab hold. So is, your, is that your impulse? Is that your guiding motive is to create that suspense that doesn't let up? That is that is my motive. I think I think ultimately what I want to do is write, write, is write like, Perfect escapist read. I, I don't I don't know if I necessarily that is my goal. That is my goal. But it, I guess it depends on what people want to escape into. <laughs> is that is that your favorite thing to read as a reader also? Yeah. I mean but I read very, very widely. I have I have very, very, very eclectic reading tech tastes. So but yeah, I think I think being inside the head or an experience that I wouldn't normally have is is great. I mean, that's what I that's why I read. Where do you see yourself going with this now? Uh, whether you do another um, continue on with the series or do something else, what do you what do you see yourself doing? Well, I mean, I would love to continue writing writing um, crime. I really, really. It, it's sweet. I, I love writing crime because I, I love the the why of it. I, I love figuring out what makes people become criminals or commit a crime. That that is really, really interesting to me. Um and and the ramifications and the attitude that you know, why why do people have this attitude that they can commit a crime that they won't get caught? How does it make them feel when they commit the crime? Like all of that is very, very interesting. And um, the suspense and the figuring out who did it, why they, why they did it, all of that is like, I'm really, really into that. What I'm finding though, is that it makes my head go into dark, dark places. So I actually don't know how long I'll be able to continue writing extremely dark things, but for now, that is very much what I'm interested in, and I would love to just continue doing it. Um, and even when I write short stories, I, I write about crime, <laughs> basically. Hmm. Where do you get your influences from? Like, do, do other writers, or is it just, um, where does that come from? So, so definitely other writers. Um, my my base my go to my, my go to writer right now is Tana French. I I think she's just great. I mean I I really love the way that she writes, and and really I mean Stephen King. You know, he's he's a, a, a huge 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 influence in every way. Um, and then as far as the crime element, I I subscribe to a few different sort of crime newsletters for like whatever goes on and that that is actually really inspiring <laughs> because 
sometimes the things you read about that people do, you just kind of got to wonder, like, where did they even come up with the idea? And then how did it, how did they manage to do it? So all of that, all of that put together goes into my head. And I also, I, I like writing about things that, that happen in the area where I live, which, you know, I live in a small town. I mean, yesterday we had elections and I personally knew two people who were running. That's how, you know, you live in a small town. And, um, but there's, there's all kinds of stuff that happens even here. And I, I just, I can't wait till I kind of get my hands on a whole lot of it and write more about it. So that's, that's what I'd like to keep doing. Nice. That's also, that's very, uh, Stephen King also, because it's that sort of small town intrigue and politics and history and the dramas that go on. So yeah, I could see that you doing that really well based on the way you describe your writing. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah. And it's, it's a hugely historical area where I live. So that, that kind of adds into it as well. Um, nice. Yeah. That could be really fun to, to dig into and yeah, create parallels to the real history or drawing inspiration from it. That and also there's there's people who are really really obsessed with history and what happens when you become obsessed with history and you can't and maybe there's something that you want and you can't have I mean there's there's a whole ton of stuff that, mm. that can be mined. So now do you have a website or how do you do do you like to interact with uh, readers of yours or fans or anything like that? Um, how do people um, find you. Uh, so I do have a website and it's uh, ameliamaymark.com slash author. Although if you just go to ameliamaymark.com, you'll see my, my uh, kind of design coding site and there's a link right on the homepage to go to the author site. Um, and I'm still kind of working out how to, how to have these two identities, you know, interact together on online. But I, I also have um, a, very active Facebook presence, and I'm on Instagram. Um, those are the big places. And I, whenever they're, you know, I'm part of um, Mystery Writers of America, ITW, Sisters in Crime. So I'm, I participate in a lot of. Whenever there's something going on that I can participate in, I participate in it. Um, now, so when you were when you were writing, like the new one coming out. Um, over the pandemic and stuff, does it sort of affect you um, able to sit down and write? Like, does your timer, do you, can you do that 20 minutes or? Yeah. So I think I, I somehow I was able to write that. That was not so much an issue. I think what ended up being, what happening was that I ended up, I, I had a hard time making bad things happen to my characters because it's hard to go someplace very dark in your mind when, when the world seems to be kind of burning, <laughs> which is what was happening while I was writing it. Um, and it's one of those things like, like writing is kind of this like weird, spooky thing that happens in your head. So I'm sure when I read it back in a year, I'll see a lot more of where of how the pandemic influenced me than I am probably aware of right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you didn't beat your husband as badly. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> well, that's nice to know. <laughs> well, it's, it's been a real pleasure. Um, I'm glad you took the time to come on and, and talk about your writing and, and your books. Now you've got uh, uh, one of the series of Hide in Place that came out in February of this year, and you've got a new, um, let's say, uh, part of the book or series or book two of it coming out next February. Um, so it's a real pleasure having you. Um, yes. so the book we're, again, we're talking about is Hide in, Hide in Place, a novel. What's the, what's the new one going to be called? It's called Behind the Lie. Oh, interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Good names. Yeah. So our guest, Amelia Namark, thank you for being here. Well, thank you so much. This was so great. I loved it. Thank you. Get the latest news and opinions from Eric Shapiro from the House of Mystery website in the Shapiro Report. To find out more about our show, guests, or to listen to past shows from our archive, please go to www.houseofmysteryradio.com. Show's over for now. Was it as good for you as it was for me? Well, good night. This has been a production of Something Weird Media. I'll be back.